أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال الملأ الذين استكبروا من قومه لنخرجنك يا شعيب والذين آمنوا معك من قريتنا أو لتعودن في ملتنا قال أولو كنا كارهين قد افترينا على الله كذبا إن عدنا في ملتكم بعد إذ نجان الله منها وما يكون لنا أن نعود فيها إلا أن يشاء الله ربنا وسع ربنا كل شيء علما على الله توكلنا ربنا افتح بيننا وبين قومنا بالحق وأنت خير الفاتحين الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Alhamdulillah, in this tafsir sessions of ours, we've reached part nine. So that, mashallah, begins with the leftover part of the story of Shu'ib which had started in the previous juz, verse 85, it started there. So here there's a continuation of that story, starting with verse 88. Again, remember it's Surah Al-A'raf. We've already had the discussion of the Araf, the place between paradise and hellfire. But now these are various different stories, historical stories of the prophets to take lessons from. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, that the people of Shu'ib alayhi salam, they said that we're going to evict you. We're going to extradite you. We're going to get you out of here. And those who've believed in you. From our min qariyatina, from our area. You can't stay here. You either get out or you return to our way of thinking. You return to our religion, right? our doctrine, our beliefs, our way of life or system. So the response Shaykh Islam gives is that, oh, even if we don't want to, right? in a way your freedom of rights gone. He didn't say that. But uh, because I don't think there was a concept of freedom of rights in that sense as a slogan. But all of this we can take lessons from. Uh, we can actually appreciate. We can sympathize with the situation. It's just a recurrence, generic ideas. You either be like us or you get out of here. You've had presidents of the world, presidents of big countries in the world who are saying, go back to where you come from if you don't want to be like us or whatever the case is. As though there's only one way of being in a particular area. Uh, what we have to understand is that Western countries are cosmopolitan. They're based on the people. And that's why whoever's there, they contribute. They contribute. They're not kind of single systems of one ideology or one... There's, that's the whole idea of the Western system. That's why they have to incorporate everybody and then everybody gets a say. And that's why Muslims make their mark wherever they go. I mean, whether that be in their food or... Uh, or their need for worship, and so on and so forth. So then Shu'aib is saying that we would be violating, we would be basically slandering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making up a lie against Allah, if we were to return to your deen, after Allah, after Allah extracted us from it, Allah gave us delivery from it. If Allah wills, he'll, He can make us do whatever He wishes. Because our Lord knows everything. He, he is encompassing of everything in knowledge. And upon Him do we rely. You see, a lot of the time when we're dealing with attacks against us, accusations, complaints, criticisms, we try to deal with them directly without thinking about Allah. And what this teaches us, is that you need to deal with them, you need to respond, but it has to be Allahi tawakkalna. 
upon Allah do we rely? You have to rely on Allah. You have to have Allah in your mind when you're responding, when you're thinking about it. And then look at the dua they make. This would be a wonderful dua for people to continue to make when we're feeling vulnerable and when we're under impending attack or when we are under attack. Look at the situation in India right now. Look at what the Rohingya face. So, our Lord, Resolve the matter between us. Open up the matter. Decide the matter. By the truth. And you're the best of the openers, the deciders. Anyway, then the discussion continues about them continuing on to uh, tell, encouraging people, rallying the people to go against Musa, uh, against uh, Shu'ib alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses how we will bring on, if you, if you look at verses 94, 95 and so on, how, Discussing all the other prophets, their stories, going back to the entire discussion to round off the discussion of the five or six different prophets that have been discussed in the, the recent verses. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we, we have been trying to explain this to people, give them clarity. We try to give them clarity in different ways. We explain to people, we try to persuade them. Then after that, if that doesn't work, then we also give them a bit of difficulty, a bit of constraintment, a bit of pain. So uh, maybe by that, when you become a bit vulnerable in pain, you feel less secure, so you're looking out for some comfort. Human nature. And when you're feeling very confident, when you've got everything you need, when you're healthy, then it's like I'm on top of the world. I don't need anybody. Uh, but when you become a bit vulnerable, you're sick, you have health issues, you have fear, you have maybe absence of uh, money where you need, then after that you start looking for ways of... That's just a human, normal human idea. So Allah subhanahu wa says, we do that as well. Then maybe they'll return to us. We've, we use soft tactics, soft explanations. We sometimes get strict. We uh, um, uh, use more harsher ways to do things. But unfortunately, some of them just do not understand. And when they do not understand, then we have to send a punishment to them. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلِ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْ لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ If these people would just believe and fear God, we would just release upon them, we'd open up, we'd release the blessings from the heavens and the earth. This is our response to coronavirus right now. But they deny. So then we have to seize them for what they used to earn. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a number of reflective verses of her. Are these people, do they have a sense of safety that our punishment uh, from our punishment coming upon them at night time while they're sleeping. And then the other one is, Verse 98. Or do they have absolute security? They're assured that there's going to be no punishment coming to them in the morning while they're just, you know, enjoying their, their play. Or do they have safety from the planning of Allah that we've got the Iron Dome, for example, we are safe. You know, nothing can penetrate. So Allah mentions that the only people who can feel secure like that are the people who are going to be losers. Because there is no safety from Allah, except with Him. So, Allah then says at the end of it, to round it off in verse 101, These are the different areas, the different inhabit inhabitants that we uh, tell you their news. Uh, very clear signs. Uh, the, 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 their messengers came to them with clear signs. But now this is what's important here. Like lots of people disbelieve, but why did they not believe even after having a prophet in their midst, showing them miracles and so on and so forth? Why not? This is very important and this teaches us a huge lesson. 
They did not believe because they had denied earlier. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seals the hearts of the disbelievers. This isn't to say that disbelievers will never believe, will never believe and can never change. The idea is that there are certain acts that which when people do, Allah seals the heart, even if that's a believer. They don't get far. far. And these are very detrimental. They're very detrimental acts. We have to be careful, especially of mockery and things like that that's very important unless Allah subhanahu of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make an exception for anybody now since Musa alayhi salam is considered to be out of the six prophets that were mentioned here in their stories since Musa alayhi salam is the most famous of them uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's other reasons as well as to why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then from verse 103 begins to discuss the story of Musa in much greater detail than the others. All the others were brief. Shu'ib was a bit longer, and then after that there was a roundup, and then Musa story is mentioned in great detail and certain incidents that took place in his life, some very interesting incidents that took place with the Pharaoh. One of the reasons um, why Musa story is mentioned more prominently, more frequently, and more in detail uh, is, is because there's a lot of resemblance. There's a lot of things that we can learn as our ummah because the Quran is intended for the last generations. Until the Day of Judgment, the ummah of Muhammad وسلم, and everybody to come until the Day of Judgment. So there's a lot of resemblance. There's a lot of lessons we can draw from that because number one, there's a lot of people, if not the majority, uh, of the people of Musa Islam had huge ignorance. Despite the fact that they had so many prophets coming to them one after the other, they just had this attitude against it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ta- giving us lessons through them that we should not have that attitude because ignorance is among everybody. They, you know, people can act ignorantly like that. And uh, number two, the other thing about the Musa alayhi time is that he had always the foe that he had, right, was uh, a claimant to lordship of godhood, Pharaoh. He used to claim himself to be God. And Rabbukum al-A'la, he said. And today we have people, while they may not say we are God, but they pretty much say that in other words. Because we've got everything at our disposal, we'll beat this virus. There's no concept of how we're going to beat it. Of course, it's just a rallying words, right? It's just rallying words, but it's the time of humility. So what's surprising is that even though... where these words come from, they may be of Christian background, but it doesn't look like they read the Bible or they get any inspiration from there in that sense. Otherwise, I'm sure there'd be humility being taught there in front of God because this virus comes from God. This virus is from the Lord, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from your Creator. And there's a reason for it. Or maybe it's not politically, it's not politically astute to use those words, right? But it's a time of vulnerability. I mean, countries are allowing... Countries are allowing adhans to be given that were dead against Islam. In Europe, for example. In America, they've done it as well. You can tell, definitely tell there's a thawing. Same country like Belgium that two years ago, 2017, I think, when they banned the niqab, now are going to make it mandatory. Right? Maybe just a different color or whatever. Maybe not black, but a different color. Maybe slightly different shape. They're going to be, make it mandatory for certain segments of the people, like school children and and some others, uh, you know, in, in frontline work or whatever it is. What a way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? If you look at the two editorials in the papers from 2017 and then 2020, what a change. Allah says, okay, if you want to mess around like that, I'll, I'll, we'll do it a different way. Like, you take, the, you take the, the most vulnerable and the weakest, you consider them the weakest, and then you per- persecute them. You know very well that they want to do niqab for themselves. The only reason I mention niqab is just a very prominent point that has a very strong resemblance or strong tone in, in the whole masks issue. That's the only reason I'm mentioning it. Anyway, so then th- they had that as well. So that's why Musa Islam's story is very, very relevant. And the other thing is that Musa Islam's that is also reason, another reason why the as from what we know, the mu'jizat and miracles of Musa compared to the other prophets' miracles 
are much more louder, they're much more uh, prominent, and they're much more conspicuous, and, and uh, because th they just needed that. They, the people needed that. They, they didn't need small miracles, they needed big miracles. So the two miracles that we know about Musa salam is the Asa, which is his staff that, used to, that turned into a snake, a huge snake, and his hand that became illuminated. When you would take it out, it would be brighter than the sun apparently, like huge brightness. Right? You know, today maybe you can say that somebody's shining something, you know, whatever. But in those days, there was no concept. That was a clear miracle in those days. Today, a miracle would be different because times have moved on to different things. There was no way anybody could ever think somebody could produce that by their own, on their, in, in a human capacity. So now, they still didn't believe a lot of them. They still did not believe. Why could you not believe a snake turning into a snake? Especially in those days, right? Sorry, a stick turning into a snake. Right. And uh, this brightness, the illuminated hand, the beaming, beaming palm, they would have had to use a lot of obstinacy, a lot of bias, a lot of animosity to be able to go against that. Right. You could just tell, why else would you do that? So uh, you see verses, uh, you know, hundred and, uh, from beyond a hundred, uh, 108. So now, when Musa showed that, so, so actually, before we get there, let's just understand how this even happened. How did Musa and Pharaoh come together? Where are they coming from? Where, what's happening here? So essentially what happened is that, as you know, there were, drought, there, there were huge droughts and difficulties in the land, in the Holy Lands, right? Where, remember Yaqub story, Yusuf story, that's how his brothers first got to Yusuf if you remember, because they were giving out. We'll see that in the story of Yusuf anyway. So now these people started coming because there was a lot of food, because they had, mashallah, according to Yusuf uh, advice they'd given uh, he, he'd given them very good advice of how to maintain uh, the, the supplies during the years when the crops will come based on the dream that was seen by the leader right by the king at the time right so uh, now everybody started coming there so now what happened is that the Bani Israel they came in huge groups to Egypt and they began to settle there because when you got drought everywhere you're gonna go somewhere else so they stayed with Yusuf under Yusuf there and uh, after that, they started to have children there. They basically became inhabitants uh, of, uh, of Egypt. And eventually, they became like a huge minority, the second largest group after the Copts, right? After Fir'aun's people, they became the largest group there. But unfortunately, the various different Fir'auns, the different pharaohs, there were several series of them, they didn't treat them very nicely. They did, in fact, some of them oppressed them hugely. And when we came to Ramses, the second most likely was him, or Medem Tal, most likely was Ramses. He's, he's lying in the Egyptian museum today. You can go and see him for about 90 Egyptian pounds if you want, right? But, uh, or you can check him out online. The, his mummy you could see after 4,000 years. So he especially, uh, says, uh, he, he, he really enslaved them. He made them like slaves, like slave labor, the pyramids, all of that, slave labor. Now, Musa he's... He, the, the, I don't want to go into the story of Musa because that's going to come later of how he was brought up in the house of Pharaoh Surah Al-Qasas will mention that but eventually he sees the persecution of his own people and he sees their being enslaved so then Musa tells Pharaoh that uh, I've brought these signs because he came and claimed the prophecy Pharaoh said that okay if you do have uh, if, you, if you are what you say then show us some signs so then he showed the two signs and Musa said to Pharaoh in verse 105, Send the Bani Israel with me. We're going to go back to the Holy Lands. We're going to get out of here. There's persecution here. So So now Pharaoh asks him to bring the signs. So he shows him the signs. Asahu drops his, uh, his, his, sta his staff and there it becomes a snake. And then he pulls out his hand and it becomes brighter. Totally amazes Everybody there. Now what happens is, according to several tafsirs like tafsir of Tabari, Ibn Kathir, Ibn Abbas relates that when Pharaoh saw this, these two things, especially, they were out of the world for them. It was impossible for them to do that. He had magicians, but they could not do something like this. So he actually jumped out of his seat. He jumped out of his seat, got really scared that because for him it was about power. 
right? He's got a lot of free slave labor. He's got a lot of power. And he's worried now that Musa Ali some people are going to start following him. Right? Because he knew he didn't really have the substance. He had a lot of worldly power, but not much substance. So they made mashwara with, with his people. So he has a discussion with his ministers. And they decide that, look, since this is magical, this seems magical, you know, for them it was not a miracle, it was a magic to turn a staff into a snake. So we've got magicians, let's call all of them, have a fixed day, and then we'll have a competition, and that will just put down Musa al-Islam because he'll obviously lose with all of these magicians, our best magicians. So then nobody will follow him. It'll basically discredit him. So they did that. But as you know, as the story mentions, when they came and uh, the, fair, the, the, the magician actually were very excited as well, saying to Pharaoh, what are you going to give us you know, if, if we win? And uh, Pharaoh said, well, you're going to become the really close people then after that, and so on and so forth. And then finally when they met, Musa, uh, they said, Musa, either you throw first or we throw first. He said, you throw first. When they did that, they just created an image. They gave a vision. For them, it was more like a, 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 just something they did to the eyes to make it seem like the small sticks and, and, and strings they threw down were like small snakes. So they're all writhing, writhing around everywhere. And Musa a.s. وَأُوحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى Now from Allah, Allah is saying, we inspired Musa a.s. that أَلْقِ أَصَاكِ You drop your, your staff. فَإِذَا هِيَ تَلْقَفُ مَا يَأْفِكُونَ He began to just basically consume everything that they had basically set up down there. فَوَقَعَ الْحَقِّ The truth became clear. Now these are magicians. They know the extent of magic. They know what a human being is able to do through magic. You know, they've got the experience. When they saw this, they, they said, this is something else. This is a, a higher magic. This is something else. This is not magic. This is a higher realm. That's why, Amazing. All of those magicians, to humiliate Musa a.s., they'd been brought out, but now they all fall in prostration. That we believe in the Lord of the, the worlds. Rabbi Musa wa Harun. Pharaoh starts jumping up and down. He is criticizing them. He's warning them. He is threatening them. And I'll cut your hands from opposite side, cut your, your hands and feet, and I'll do this and I'll do that. But no, nothing, nothing made a difference to them. They'd seen the reality. You know, when you see the truth, Allah allows us to see the truth and give us yaqeen. When you have yaqeen, then nothing can shake you. You know, yaqeen, when you have yaqeen, nothing can shake you. Then all of these excuses that people have, you know, I can't call myself by my name. I need to change my name. I can't dress as a, I can't ask for a prayer space. Once you've got yaqeen, all of that, you know, all of those excuses go down the drain. It's just something in your heart that you need to create, that you need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. That's all you need to develop. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that. So now uh, they, they're, they're worried about Musa alayhi salam and so on and because of their defeat. So Musa alayhi salam tells his people that, look, istainu billahi wasbiru. You just seek assistance from Allah. That's the most important thing. People forget this. They go, they go to ministers, they go, they, go they, they try to do all these other worldly things, which is fine, but istainu billahi wasbiru and be patient. فَإِنَّ الْأَرْضَ لِلَّهِ The earth belongs to Allah. يُرِثُهَا مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ And he will make inheritors in there whoever he wishes. وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ But the good ending, the final consequential good ending is always going to be for the righteous ones. Now the story carries on. After all of this, and uh, you see, Pharaoh was, uh, they didn't listen. Even after this, they listened. They started now persecuting even more. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started sending them some greater signs that afflicted them directly. They weren't just reflective signs, but they were actually very involved signs. So Allah says in verse 133, فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الطُّوفَانَ وَالْجَرَادَ وَالْقُمَّلَ وَالضَّفَادِعِ we then sent upon them a huge storm. That's how it started. A storm just ravaged them. After that, there were locusts everywhere, eating up everything. All the crops and everything. All the crops and everything. Now, so now, they've got a storm. It's destabilized them. Their crops are now being eaten up by locusts. They look like caterpillars, right? There was a swarm of them in... Uh, in the Haram, uh, in, in Makkah, Makkah, or somewhere, you know, uh, last year. And 
Qummal. Then after that, we send, so they send this one after the other, then they send them lice. Now the lice were attacking the animals, so their livestock, the hair and so on. So now that's getting destroyed, that's getting harmed. Then after that, what dafad, and I believe, uh, can you believe after that you get frogs everywhere? Basically, they open their mouth and they're worried that a frog is going to jump into their mouth. They're just everywhere, the whole pestilence of that sort, right? They're just everywhere. And then after that, just blood everywhere. They've got water they, they've got stored, they take some of that water out and there's blood in there. Just blood everywhere, blood everywhere, blood everywhere. Now, this didn't happen like all together, it happened one after the other. So every time something like that would happen, وَلَمَّا وَقَعَ عَلَيْهِمُ الرِّجْزِ 134 They would say, Ya Musa They'd run to Musa alayhi salam, call your Lord Right? And if he removes this from us, then we will become one of the believers And we'll let the Bani Israel go with you But فَلَمَّا كَشَفْنَا عَنْهُمُ الرِّجْزَ إِلَىٰ أَجَلِ Now when Allah would remove the storm, for example Okay, storms ended for a while Now they go back to their own they go back to their, their arrogance and their, uh, their enmity and everything. So, then the next thing. Then they would come back and ask again for relief and so on. They're just stubborn people. So these were the cops we're talking about. So, we basically took revenge from them. So here, there's just a simple discussion that we drown them. You know the story. We drown them. Allah then says, that's miraculous. Just people need to think about the Bani Israel and the Israelites' delivery from the Pharaoh. It's a huge story. Gives you so much strength to think about it. Those who were made weak and rendered to be lowly and weak and downtrodden, both in the East and the um, uh, those who were downtrodden, we then basically gave them as inheritance. Uh, land that we had blessed and bima uh, sabaru Allah says because they were patient and we basically destroyed Pharaoh now the people are, now it turns to the, the Bani Israel and their problems they had their own problems with Musa salam. just attitude problems really Critic, cri criticism they had absolutely no problem in criticizing Musa salam, many of them yes they, Allah will mention there was always a group that stuck, mashallah, to and adhered to the correct path, no doubt, and were with Musa Islam all the way. But the others were just protesting, nagging, causing problems. So they come upon a people who were worshipping idols. So they said, Oh Musa, why don't you make us a god like that as well? Can you, can you imagine? I mean, he's giving them revelation rather than he's saying, Can you make up a god like that for, for us? Musa Islam had a lot of, lot of patience. The, they've gone with Musa salam. They've left Pharaoh Pharaoh's dead now And they're with Musa salam, So they're on the way to the Holy lands Right And Musa salam From verse 142 <laughs> There was a need now, because this was now the first time that Musa salam had now started looking after the Bani Israel, after they, they were out of the Pharaoh's grips. So now you needed a law, you needed guidance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invited him to Tur, to the mountain. And there he had to go there, stay there for 30 days and fast. And then Allah said, you need to do 10 more days for whatever wisdom Allah has. So it was made 40 days. That's where we get this whole idea of 40 days being a maturity period for any act that you do, right? Um, isolation or whatever the case is, 40 days. So uh, Musa Salam had put his brother in charge. That's when, when Musa Salam came there. He, mashallah, managed to, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the commandments. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the Torah, right? Uh, Musa Alisa was given the Torah. And, but while he's absent, the Bani Israel are just, you know, you couldn't leave them al alone for a while. Because always they just did something weird or strange. So now Samiri, who's one of the members there, he basically formed a calf, a hollow calf with some holes in it. So the way it was that 
when the wind blew, because of the hollowness of it, it would make a sound. It would make a noise, which made it sound like it, it was living. He said, that's your God. There's going to be a, great, a more detailed discussion of that later on. Right? So they, this is, Musa, Harun Alisam tried to stop them, but there's only so much that he could do. He didn't have the same power as his brother Musa salam. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, talks to Musa salam and so on and so forth. And then after that, he goes back to his people and he's very upset. Right? Because as mentioned in verse 148, When they'd escaped from the Pharaoh, they'd actually taken a lot of the gold, a lot of the jewelry from the houses that they used to work in apparently. Allah knows best. So with this gold, that Samiri came and formed this little calf for him, a golden calf, right? It had a noise, and subhanallah. When Musa comes back in 150, uh, verse 150, He's angry, and he's also really, really sorrowful. That what, is, what have these people done? He's got a lot of regret, like what's wrong with these people? He's got a lot of anguish. So he goes to his brother first and he pulls his beard and everything. He's like, why didn't you take care of these people? قَالَ ibn أُمْ So he, his brother responds to him, oh, my mother's son. Like, you know, we, you are my mother's son. Like, you know, you're very close to me. إِنَّ الْقَوْمَ اسْتَضَعْفُونِ The people, they don't consider me strong. They consider me too weak. And they could have killed me. So don't make these people laugh at me. Don't do this in front of them so that they will rejoice at you telling me off. Because they're just going to make that another, they're just going to make that another, uh, uh, another excuse to have a laugh, right? As such. So then Musa salam, he says, He teaches us that, okay, even if somebody's made a mistake and somebody couldn't do what they would do, then, Rabbi, O my Lord, forgive me and my brother and enter us into your mercy. We need your mercy. You're the most merciful of the merciful ones. And then Allah mentions that those who did take, these, uh, take this calf, uh, in verse 152, those who took this calf as a, as a lord, then um, they're going to be receiving a lot of anger from their lord, and they're also gonna, they're going to find humiliation in this world. That's the way we deal with these fabricators. Now, Musa salam is telling people that they need to listen and they need to obey the commands from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What they tell him, is that we, we, can't, we can't believe that this is from God. We need, to, we need to hear Him. We need God to tell us directly. SubhanAllah. We need God to tell us that we need to be able to listen to God telling us. We don't believe that it comes through this book. That's why Musa alayhi salam, it says in verse 155, Musa then chooses, okay, fine, I'll take a delegation of 70. He's very patient with his people. He's so bold, right, in everything else. But when he comes to his people, he's so compassionate with them. He, he, deal, he just tolerates all of this disturbance. He says, okay, fine, I'll take 70 of you. So when Musa chose 70 for our meeting, But when, even after they Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to them. Can you believe anybody else Allah spoken to directly? No. His people, Allah gets, you know, Allah speaks to them. And then they say, no, that's not good enough. We need to see him. We don't trust the speaking now. High level of skepticism. This is what skepticism does to anybody. You have skepticism. Allah save us. You'll actually start wondering whether you really are your parent's child. Right? That's why the way Ghazali dealt with it, is the question he rose, is said that when you're in a dream, you think it's a reality. And when you wake up, you realize it's a dream. But when you are in your dream, you think it's a reality. So now, if you want to be skeptic, then what about if you think that right now, you are also in a dream? How do you know you're not in a dream right now? And one day you'll wake up from this huge dream, and it'll all be just a dream. Hopefully not. We know for certain it's not, inshallah. We're not in a dream. But, what, but skeptic people, they doubt everything. So they will even doubt this. And that becomes a disease, it's a mental illness then. It's not academic. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 157, is, 
يَجِدُونَهُ مَكْتُوبًا عِنْدَهُمْ فِي التَّوْرَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Those who follow the messenger, the prophet, the unlettered one, whom they find mentioned in the mentioned in their book, in what they have, in the Torah and the Injil. Again, يَأْمُرُهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفُ وَيَنْهَاهُمْ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ He commands the right, prohibits the wrong. He makes halal for them all good things and pure things and makes haram for them the despicable things. And he removes the burdens that were upon them before. The people who follow him, etc., they're going to be successful. So then, the Prophet, he, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse, 158, orders the Prophet sallallahu alayhi to declare, Ya ayyuhan nas, inni rasulullahi ilaykum jami'a. I am a messenger to all of you. Alladhi lahu mulku samawati walad from Allah, basically. I am the messenger of Allah, the Allah for whom everything is in the heavens and the earth. There is no God except He. So, فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ النَّبِيِّ الْأُمِّيِّ الَّذِي يُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَكَلِمَاتِهِ Now, Allah then praises those few from the Ummah of Musa السلام, that were just. وَمِن قَوْمِ مُوسَىٰ أُمَّةٌ يَهْدُونَ بِالْحَقِّ وَبِهِ يَعْدِلُونَ 159 Then Allah mentions all the other benefits that He gave them when they're going around in that valley to get to their holy lands after 40 years. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them they needed water. So, وَأُوحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ مُوسَىٰ إِذِ اسْتَسْقَاهُ قَوْمًا إِدْرِبْ بِعَصَاكَ الْحَجَرِ Strike your staff onto a stone. And from there, 12 streams flowed for each tribe. No arguments. This is for you tribe, your tribe, your tribe. And then, وَظَلَّلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الْغَمَامِ It was hot, scorching. So Allah gave clouds, sent clouds to protect them. It's a punishment, but He is protecting them. Right? Then another thing is, they needed food, so they got man and salwa. When they had a problem with man and salwa, they got bored of it. They said, no, we want the dal, the lentils, right, and the onions, and so on and so forth. We're sick of this divine food. As I said, it was just a constant issue. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, uh, sorry, then uh, they were told to go into this particular area to go and stay there and said that, go in there, but say hittatun, waqulu hitta. Say hitta, which means Forgiveness for sins. So go in there seeking forgiveness for sins and go in there in prostration, humbly. And what they did was, as mentioned in verse 162, But no, instead of doing that, they actually didn't go humbly and they say hintatun instead. They said basically wheat instead. They changed the word and they went the other way around. So after that, we, had, we punished them. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. This is a huge discussion about Musa and his people to, for us to take benefit from. Verse 163 then tells us, Ask the people about that area that was close to the sea, close to the water edge. And... They were told that you're not allowed to do any of fishing or any business or anything like that on Sabt, which means Sabbath, which means Saturday. So Saturday is a day where you worship and you do not do any kind of business like that. Mashallah, even today you see a lot of Jews who do that, right? Um, uh, so now what happens is on six days of the week, you don't get too many fish. But on Saturday, uh, this is just another fitna, right? This is just another trial for them. On Saturday, the fish is coming in droves. And they're seeing that, and they're like, we can't fish on Saturday. So now you have different approaches to this. Some, they decided to go and fish. Some decided to put out nets. And they're not fishing themselves, but they put out nets and then take it. But they weren't even allowed to do that. Others doing it openly. Now there's two other groups who are not doing it. And one of those groups is telling the others, do not do this. This is wrong. You know, there's always the good people. They're telling them, don't do this. You're not allowed to do this. Haram to do this. The other group is saying, and this is what Allah tells us in the next verse here, وَإِذْ قَالَتْ أُمَّةٌ مِّنْهُمْ لِمَ تَعِذُونَ قَوْمًا إِلَّهُ مُهْلِكُهُمْ أَوْ مُعَذِّبُهُمْ عَذَابًا شَدِيدًا Huge lesson in this for us. When one group of them said to the other ones who were giving them advice, that why do you give advice to such people who Allah is going to destroy or He's going to punish them? Huge punishment. So it's not like they knew that Allah was going to punish them, but they're telling the other group, why are you telling them off? 
Why are you trying to correct them? Allah is going to punish them anyway. At least then there is, you know, this uh, excuse in front of the law that we did our part, right? And also maybe they will believe, maybe they will fear God, maybe they will fear God. You see, this is the importance of Amr bil ma'ruf and nahi al-munkar, commanding the right, which I've been saying, we need to do it at some level. We can't all abandon it, right? We can't abandon it entirely. We have to do it at some level. So when they made forgotten, when they forgot what they had been advised and uh, reminded, then We delivered and gave safety to the group that had prohibited, that had censored the others. We, we, we punished the others. And then also the next one is the famous verse or what people know about 166 is that some of them are those where they refuse to uh, basically abide. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered, Kunu qiradatan khasi'in. Become these lowly mean monkeys. Right? So some of them were actually turned into monkeys as well. There's just so much detail that we know about that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, allow us to learn from this and not to repeat the problems of this. Allah then does say in verse 167 that there were, uh, 169 rather, that there were some good people that inherited afterwards and so on. And Allah then reminds of some other prominent uh, incidents from their life. وَإِذْ نَتَقْنَ الْجَبَلُ 171 says, We basically raised the whole mountain on top of them. I mean just raising a building, raising a mountain on top of them, as though now it's a cloud on top of them. To such a degree that they became fearful that it's going to drop on them and crush them. But still they didn't, that didn't make a difference. That just shows you that when you don't want to do something, when you have an attitude towards something, it doesn't matter what you see, how convincing it is, it's not going to happen. So we have to ask Allah for a better attitude. So Allah is telling us the believers, whatever we give you, you must hold on to it strongly. Remind yourself of what's in there so that, uh, so that you can gain taqwa. Because that's the only way you're going to get anywhere. Now, in the rest of this surah, to finish this surah off, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the following things. I'm just going to mention them in detail. There's a famous story from here. No, actually right now, because it's talking about telling the Bani Israel to fulfill the covenant, Allah mentions another covenant which is universally applied to all human beings that everybody has taken but we don't remember, which is from verse 172. Right? Now tell me if somebody remembers this. Right? What happens is, وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِن بَنِي آدَمَ مِن ظُهُورِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَىٰ شَهِدْنَا أَن تَقُولُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّا كُنَّا عَنْ هَذَا غَافِلِينَ when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam salam, from his loins, he extracted his entire progeny in the form of small, small ants-like, right? Everybody that was to come until the last person built the billions, small forms. And Allah manifested himself in front of them. And he then asked them, aren't I your Lord? Alastu bi rabbikum. And they all said, of course you are. There was no reason to doubt. There was nothing that had corrupted their mind yet. They were, they just come out of the pure realm. They've just been, they're not even born yet. They've not seen any corruption, right? They've not seen any other view. I said, of course you are. Oh, who else, you know? So that's a covenant. Now, we don't remember. Does anybody remember it, by the way? I think some people in history have said they remember this. Does anybody remember this experience? All right. So why don't we remember it here? We're reminded of it in the Quran by the prophets they tell us. So then we're reminded, and if we believe in it and we do right, then in the hereafter, our book of deeds will be there as to what we did. And also, this will become a vivid memory in our mind. So you'll be like, yeah, I do remember it now. I mean, it happens. You don't remember something for such a long time, and then after that, something triggers a memory. You're like, yes, I remember when I was six years old, that happened to me. Right? It happens in human beings. So in the hereafter, you'll actually remember it. Now, you'll remember that you gave this promise, this covenant, but you'll also, rem you'll also see all that you did. If what you did is according to this promise, it's going to be happiness. That's what you call sa'ada. And if what we did 
is going to go against what's, uh, what we remember at that time, then it's shaqawa. May Allah protect us from that. So Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ نُفَصِّلُ الْآيَاتِ now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the story of in verse 175-177-78 The story there is about uh, a guy called Bal'am ibn Ba'ura It's a long story, I don't want to tell you the whole story But you can check that up on the verses in any good tafsir you'll see it there From verse 75 onwards Bal'am ibn Ba'ura who Allah had given a huge amount of knowledge to Probably one of the most knowledgeable people of the time But problem with him is that he was very arrogant, didn't have the, he had an ego problem and did not have any good akhlaq and no humility and that basically eventually led to his downfall so what's being told to us in there is Allahu Akbar that you need good akhlaq and really مَنْ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدِي the one who Allah guides is the truly guided one and the one who Allah leaves to stray I keep saying leaves to stray I don't say sends astray reason is that Allah doesn't have to force anybody to stray. He just has to take away his assistance, his divine guidance, and his tawfiq, divine enablement, and the, the, the human will just automatically go. So think about that in our own lives. If we don't do dhikr and we don't ask Allah, then just by default, we will incline towards the wrong. By default. Allah's protection and guidance must be with us. So one, that's what you call tawfiq. When Allah makes his servants' actions in accordance to what Allah is pleased with. That's what you call tawfiq. The opposite of that is khidlan, abandonment, forsaking. So when Allah forsakes, okay, I leave you. I'm not going to give you any guidance. Automatically, a person will start shifting. We see that in people that where there's supervision, somebody that you look up to, somebody that cares for you and tells you off, it's a good thing. When they say, okay, just let them go. And then the person will start getting braver, daring, risky, and then do wrong. Until it's too late. So Allah is saying, If we wanted, we could have raised him by this. He wanted to go to the, uh, into the earth or more, more for worldly things. And he followed his desire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the next thing he talks about is... How bad disbelief can Where does disbelief come from when everything is so evident? Like in the previous Surah Al-An'am, the whole Surah was about so many evidences about Tawheed and the removal of shirk. So the main theme there was shirk, right? Avoidance of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says that the problem is that they, lahum qulubun. We've given hearts to people, but they don't comprehend by them. They, they, they don't understand the truth by them. In fact, uh, I think they just think it's a blood-pumping organ, a cardiac organ. They, have, they don't believe in any spirituality in the organ, in the heart. Whereas Muslims believe in a spirituality related to the heart. They have eyes, but they don't see by them. Meaning they don't see the truth by them, they see everything else. They have ears, but they don't hear the truth by them. That's when Allah makes this very prominent statement that is off-quoted. These people are just like beasts. It's cattle. In fact, they're worse. Because at least the beasts don't do any wrong. They just do whatever Allah has set them up to do. They chew the cud. They uh, chew the grass, the hay. They produce the milk. They... You know, they do what they have to do. These people are totally heedless. Then Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ husna." Allah has the beautiful names. فَدْعُوهُ biha. That's verse 180. Call unto Allah. This is something we need to do, we don't do enough. Call unto Allah with the relevant names. When you're applying medicine, when you're taking a tablet, a medicine, say, Ya Shafi. O one who gives cure. When you're seeking forgiveness, say, Ya Ghafoor. When you want an opening, say, Ya Fattah. When you feel surmounted, say, Ya Latif. Think of the names, learn the names, use the names. And you will see that your understanding of Allah will grow and your connection. The names of Allah are an entry point to His Ma'rifah. 
very important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the following verses from 181, He discusses how we can punish. All of a sudden we can punish them. Now I'm just going to quickly mention these points. So the third point here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, you know, we give people time. We give people respite. If they, if they, you know, we give them some time and some respite. If they, if they take it and they come back, it's fine. Otherwise, we then capture them in punishment. We seize them in punishment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then reminds them that, look, think about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's not crazy. He's not insane. Right? It's just a clear warner to you. Allah says, don't you look at the kingdom of the heavens and the earth and what Allah has created everything. Again, these are the other additional proofs and so on. Then from verse 80. 187, it's about the Day of Judgment. Yes, Okay, you keep talking about the Day of Judgment. When is this Day of Judgment? Question that comes out. Okay, when is the Day of Judgment? Only my Lord has the knowledge. He'll let it come at its time. Right? But remember, any, your punishment can come to you before that. In fact, your death can come to you before that. So then the Prophet said, Look, I only have... Uh, control over myself I don't know the, the unseen If I knew the unseen I would have done a lot more Of whatever I knew about Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Speaks about a few other things About uh, Since the Surah Al-A'raf Began with the discussion of the Quran It also ends with This verse uh, Verse 204 rather Which is uh, a verse that People have taken many masail from as well وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ When the Qur'an is recited, then listen carefully to it. And remain silent so that you can have mercy. So even if you don't understand it, just stay silent out of adab, out of etiquette. You know, this is a norm of the world. It's a custom in the world that when there's respect for them, you just be quiet. It's only, unfortunately, we have these certain attitudes, especially in the West and now in the East as well, that you need to be able to say something all the time, right? That you need to give your view all the time. You need to have a question all the time. So, you know, somebody gives a wonderful discourse and then your first question is, but, which just basically washes away and sinks everything the person says. And it's just for your ego. So, rather than tell you the time, Allah, the more importantly is that you use things that will prepare you for the Day of Judgment. And... Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Saying some away, one of the etiquettes of how to call upon Allah. Remember your Lord in yourselves, humbly entreating Him with reverence. And it doesn't have to be loud. Morning and evening. And do not be of the Heedless ones, do not be of the negligent. Just remember your Lord. Always remember your Lord. May Allah allow us to be remembers of His of, of Him all the time. Right now we move on to Suratul Anfal, right, which just takes the last quarter, and Anfal means spoils of war. So the discussion of the spoils of war is made briefly here, and then there's a more detailed discussion later on in the next juice, which we'll be looking at tomorrow, inshallah. So, yes, alunaka anil anfal. Now, there was a dispute about the way the spoils of war had to be distributed and so on. So, that's why they, they ask you about the spoils of war. Say that the spoils of war for Allah and His Messenger. Fattakullah. So, now you fear Allah. And, and then the details are later on. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this surah is a Madani surah. So, it's going to have lots of rulings, right? There are 75 verses in here. 75 verses only, and it has about 10 different sections you can, thematic sections you can split it up into. Uh, one of the major themes in here is Jihad fi Sabilillah. Remember, this is a surah, it's about the spoils of war. And it's the surah before Bara'a, the next one, which is about war as well. So these two surahs, in fact, some say that they're actually connected together, and they're all about war. This surah... Um, was revealed after the battle of Badr if you remember which obviously as was the first of the battles were a very prominent battle and in that battle a huge amount of assistance from Allah was noticed was seen was observed how a small group managed to overcome 
by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help because he had angels and so on and so forth. So that's why you have this discussion of ghanima in there because there were a lot of spoils taken from there as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهِ Verse 2 mentions five characteristics of good believers, which are for us as well. Number one, fear of Allah. Number two, tilawa of the Qur'an, right? which is to understand the Qur'an and to learn from it. And uh, reliance on Ar-Rahman, reliance on Allah subhanahu uh, wa ta'ala. Protection of the prayer, preservation of the prayer, being mindful of the prayer and being excellent in your dealing with people. After that, it starts the whole discussion of the Battle of Badr. And you can inshallah read that and benefit from it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, numerous things in there, the various different things that took place. What is a very prominent and striking feature of this surah, especially in this portion of it, and then there's one that will come later, which we'll cover tomorrow, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the believers over and over again, like Ya Bani Adam, Ya Bani Adama, uh, in the previous surah. In here, Allah addresses them with Ya Ayyuhalladheena Amanu, O people who believe. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this six times. So there are six instances here. The first one is in verse 15. Ya Ayyuhalladheena Amanitha Laqeetum Alladheena Kafaru Zahvan Fala Tuwalluhum Al Adbar. Basically, stay strong in the face of your enemy. Don't become weak. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the next one is, Ya Allah wa Rasulah. These are commands for the believers. Follow, uh, obey Allah and His Messenger and do not basically turn away from Him. And don't, don't be like those who said we heard and then after that they hadn't heard. Like be serious. Then, Ya da'akum. Respond to your Lord when He calls you. Respond to your Lord and the Messenger when they call upon you. To that which gives you life. So everything that is given to us is going to give us life. Then the next one is verse 29. Sorry, uh, I didn't mention the verse numbers. The ver first verse, uh, verse is 15. Second one is 20. The next one is verse 29. Okay, what are you going to get for this now? So, yeah, O oh people who believe, if you fear Allah and gain taqwa, He'll provide for you the criterion. It'll become very clear to you what's right and wrong and you'll be able to, inshallah, follow it. And your evil deeds will be expiated for you. And Allah will forgive you. So there's a benefit for doing this. The next one then is verse, verse 27. Do not betray the trust. Uh, do not betray Allah um, and His Messenger. And also your in between you, do not betray trust. Be very trustworthy and maintain your trust. There's a few other verses I just want to point out to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 17 to show that it's really Allah who will be creating the effect and in your fighting. Even if you're a few, but if you do it in the right way with all the, uh, with, with all the what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked Allah says, فَلَمْ تَقْتُلُوهُمْ It's not you that killed them. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ قَتَلَهُمْ It's Allah that killed them. وَمَا رَمَيْتَ إِذْ رَمَيْتَ It's not you that shot the arrow when you shot it. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ رَمَى It's Allah who shoots it. وَلِيُبْلِيَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْهُ بَلَا أَنْ حَسَنَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ So, just trust in Allah that Allah is with you when this happens. Allah reminds us, in the path of goodness, sometimes your wealth or your children will be your trial for you. So in your love for these things, you may give up your deen. You may give up fulfilling the orders of Allah. But remember, Allah has the greatest reward. So make sure you don't fear, uh, fail like that. Then these verses are something that we need to always keep in mind. This is from verse 36. You know, when... You see these wars in Muslim countries, people, aggression against Muslim countries, and people dying, the condition in there, and so on. And I mean, as human beings, people do get very upset, and you should get upset. And people actually even start feeling despondent and hopeless. These are huge hope givers, hope providers. Verse 36 
and 37. So listen, Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ لِيَصُدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَسَيُنْفِقُونَهَا ثُمَّ تَكُونُ عَلَيْهِمْ حَسْرَةً ثُمَّ يُغْلَبُونَ وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى جَهَنَّمَ يُحْشَرُونَ Those who disbelieve, they will spend their wealth so that they can stop people from the path of Allah. There are certain wars that have taken place, even recent ones, where the people they attacked had got nothing to do with 9-11, for example, like Afghanistan. But probably the only reason they attacked there is either for resources or bigger still is that they want to just stop any strong force of Islam anywhere. Okay, people make mistakes, right? I mean, even Muslims make mistakes. But one of the reasons they'll get together, aside from resources and that, is to basically just stop any Muslim place from becoming strong. Unless they basically um, become allies of some sort. So, they will spend their wealth to stop people from the path of Allah. First they yun fikuna, then they will shortly spend it again. But eventually, now this could take time, could take years, decades. But eventually that will be a source of loss for them. Then they will be dominated. Eventually in the hereafter, they're going to go to hellfire anyway. Why does Allah allow all of this to happen? This is what's being said. Allah wants to separate out the good from the bad. Those who do good and they suffer. And they, they have to, they, they tolerate, they are patient. And then he wants to put all the evil on top of one another. Gather it all together and put it into hellfire. And these are the people of loss. The last verse here to end up is If they refuse, if they turn back, they turn away, then know that Allah, the Prophet ﷺ is being told, know that Allah, and we're told, Allah is your mawla. Allah is the best patron. Allah is the one who looks after you. Ni'mal mawla. He is the best of the patrons. Wa ni'mal nasir. And he's the best of the helpers. So to reiterate our faith with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that ends this uh, chapter. Let us just quickly do our recap. Of the main themes here. Um, as I said, Musa alayhi salam's story, uh, after Shaib alayhi salam's story, it's the story of Musa alayhi salam, long story, uh, just the various different antics, the various different incidents, the various what they had to do, um, and the resemblance to our, you know, what we can learn from them, and so on and so forth. That was the discussion. Then we have Allah says, وَكَتَبْنَا لَهُ فِي الْأَلْوَاهِ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Musa alayhi salam his, uh, the, the rulings for his people, the law, uh, and he said, فِيهِ مَوْعِذَةً This is verse 145. Allah then says, فَخُذْهَا بِقُوَّةً Hold on to it strongly. Any divine message has to be held on strongly, so we learn as well, we have to hold on to the Qur'an strongly as well. When the difficulty became tough on Musa alayhi salam, very, very much worse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells Musa alayhi salam to seek assistance in Allah and be patient. And then he mentions to him that don't worry, the, whole, the, the earth will be yours. That's all promises for us as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then discusses that his mercy it encompasses everything. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who he'll give his mercy to, that's been mentioned as well. May Allah make us of them. The story of, ba, ba, uh, 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 of uh, Ba'ura. Uh, Bal'am ibn Ba'ura we didn't go into the whole story but that's a story to show that look just having mere knowledge having lots of degrees PhDs or whatever or just lots of knowledge at your fingertips on a phone for everybody doesn't make it anything there's a lot more to religion than that and finally then there's the discussion of uh, the beginning of creation and the covenant of Adam uh, you know without, uh, when, after Adam was born that was the discussion there then Surah Al-Anfal begins, Surah Al-A'raf ends and Anfal begins and that's the discussion of the uh, war uh, booty and uh, the, the war spoils. And 
Finally, there's the whole discussion and again more lessons to be learned from the Battle of Badr. And, and finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's promises to, uh, to, to, the, to the faithful. So alhamdulillah, we managed to complete it again. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue for the rest of our life to learn more from the Quran and become learners of it and teachers of it in some capacity because the Prophet said they're the best of them. Please pray for us. We pray for you that Allah bless you all. Jazakumullah khair wa akhirul da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.